Hello everyone, I'm Stuart Spinks and this is Beekeeping Short and Sweet. Beekeeping Short and Sweet, a podcast for the inquisitive beekeeper with a short attention span. A podcast, in fact, designed for a beekeeper just like me. Today's episode is pulling back the curtain on one of the more common diseases that infects our beehive colonies, yet remains something of a mystery to many beekeepers, and that's Nosema. If by the time we've completed the podcast, you'd like to have your bees checked for Nosema, but don't yet have the equipment to carry it out yourself, why not head over to my website, norfolk-honey.co.uk where I can help you with disease recognition and colony assessment. So on to Nosema. Something of a mystery because it's not always easy to tell if the bees are struggling with it until it's reached a tipping point that drags the colony down into a crawling malaise. Nosema, tricky to diagnose in its early stages and disruptive if not fatal to your bees in its late stages, when a colony is overloaded with the infection. In today's podcast, I want to offer some help as to how you can practically spot the infection and plan a solution to helping your honeybees recover. So what is Nosema, and why should I worry about it? Nosema is a spore-forming parasitic microsporidian. I should probably say that again. Nosema is a spore-forming parasitic microsporidian. There are over 200 different species of Nosema. Fortunately, only two of those affect our honeybees, Nosema apis and Nosema serrani. Each one is slightly different and develops in the honeybee slightly differently, but both can devastate a honeybee colony. So let's recap on the description and break it down. A spore-forming parasitic microsporidian. Spore-forming. Nosema forms spores, a process called sporulation. I'm not sure what came first, the spore or the infected honeybee. It's a bit like the chicken and the egg question, I suppose. Anyway, the infection cycle begins when a honeybee, going about its usual business of cleaning and maintenance, ingests one or more spores and becomes infected. Here is where the two types of Nosema differ slightly, and it's an important difference. Nosema apis spores multiply only in the midgut or ventriculus of the honeybee, whereas Nosema serrani can develop and infect alimentary canals, hypopharyngeal glands, salivary glands and fat bodies, so has the potential to be significantly more infectious and therefore dangerous to the bees. Nosema is a parasite. Singleton and Sainsbury describe parasitism in their Dictionary of Microbiology and Molecular Biology like this, in which one organism, the parasite, benefits at the expense of the other, the host. Typically, the parasite obtains its nutrients from the host, and the association is detrimental to the host. So Nosema, which is the parasite, benefits at the expense of the honeybee, which is the host. While we're talking definitions, let's look at the term microsporidian, as this describes the physical makeup of the Nosema spore. In the world of scientific classification, 
A microsporidian is found in the kingdom of fungi. And although it's harmful to our honeybees, you can't quite help being impressed by the engineering of this parasite. If we get microscopic for a moment, imagine a nosema spore shaped a little like a grape. There are differences between apis and serrani, but for now, let's keep it simple. Inside the spore is a polar filament. It's a kind of a very small needle. This extends down inside the spore and coils around the inside like a wound-up spring. When the spore is ingested by the honeybee and it finds its way to where it wants to be, I assume they have some kind of sat-nav to guide them, however, once at the site of the cell they want to infect, the polar filament is discharged in an explosive manner so that the filament shoots out from the spore and penetrates the cell wall of its host, our honeybee. It then passes its infective sporoplast, effectively its DNA, into the host, and this is what does the damage. It's really quite remarkable, I think. Once inside the cell, the Nosema DNA initially uses a mechanism called morogeny to replicate and then switches to a phase called sporogeny. This creates the spores, and boy, does it create a lot of spores. Some heavily infected bees can have as many as 30 to 50 million Nosema spores inside them, and all of this takes between three and four days. Imagine how many spores might be in a colony that's been trapped inside a beehive all winter, with maybe just one infected bee in November. By the time February or March comes around, there's little wonder the colony is so lethargic, and that's why you should be aware of it. Poor colony health in the spring means poor growth. Colonies are slow to build up numbers and struggle all the way through spring and into the summer. And for some of us, summer seems to end so fast, you're back preparing your bees for winter again without a sniff of honey. Infected honeybees generally have their lives shortened, sometimes by up to half. They are weakened, unable to feed brood, and unable to get the nutrients they need. This allows other pathogens to grow and cause yet more damage in the colony, and if the queen becomes infected, she is likely to slow or stop her egg laying and may well die. So not only is your spring colony weakened, but they could have no queen, and of course you have no spare queens at that time to recover the situation. So that's the bad news. But here's the good news. It doesn't have to end that way. We beekeepers can take steps to help colonies come through the winter healthy and ready to enjoy the warm spring sunshine and get a really fast start into the new season. And it doesn't have to be with treatments of antibiotics such as fumagillin or fumadil B. These are no longer authorised for use here in the UK, but I know that they are still used in a widespread prophylactic manner. Treating honeybees with antibiotics is the last thing you need to be doing. We all know there's a crisis in the world of antibiotics right now. Let's not have beekeeping contribute to that particular dilemma. But how else, I hear you cry? You're tying my hand behind my back. Pretty much everything I do is centred on my honeybee's health. What can I do to help my bees become and remain as healthy as possible? And if you take this approach, you will find that Nosema just isn't a major problem for you. Let's start with diagnosis. 
you really need a microscope for this. It doesn't have to be expensive, and if you're looking for some friendly help and advice, telephone a company called Brunel Microscopes here in the UK, and their team will get you started. I'll leave their contact details in the show notes that accompany this podcast. The next step is to check out my YouTube videos, showing how I sample a colony and use the microscope to check for spores. Easier than described, so I won't go into the details here. Just search my YouTube channel for microscopy. If you have more than one hive, you'll want to sample them all. It makes sense. Why just select one colony when you have four colonies at the bottom of the garden? If you're struggling to get this organised this year, you could always send your samples to me and I'll check them for you. You'll find full details on my website, norfolk-honey.co.uk. Sampling for Nosema means collecting adult workers. There are lots of suggestions out there as to how many bees you should collect, from as few as 10 to as many as 100 or more. For me, I choose to collect 30 honeybees as my sample. All I can tell you is from a practical perspective, all I'm interested in is whether my honeybees are infected or not. The only proviso I would make to this is if I find a colony with a very low infection, I may choose not to do anything about it immediately. But medium and high infections are always dealt with. So 30 bees allows me to correctly diagnose my colonies. So let's imagine for a moment that you decide this year you're going to get me to test your bees. This is what happens. What I need is for you to collect 30 worker honeybees. But hang on a second, they need to be older bees. So how can you collect those? If it's cold, remove the roof. And if you have a crime board with a hole in it, the older guard bees will normally come up to say hello fairly quickly. Simply pick them up one at a time and pop them into a container. I use lab tubes with a screw top, but I've used food freezer bags in the past just as effectively. I use ethyl acetate soaked into a tissue to kill the bees quickly. It's an acetone-free nail varnish remover that you can pick up if you need to get some. Or alternatively, pop your sample into the freezer and that will work just as effectively. Label them if you have more than one colony and send them to me first-class post. When I'm ready to test the sample, I crush the bees in a pestle and mortar and a drop of the resulting liquid is placed on a microscope slide. This I view under a high-powered microscope at a times 400 magnification. At this magnification, the spores are quite easily seen if they're present. So I've got bad news for you. Your sample has a mild infection of Nosema, a mix of Nosema apis and Nosema serrani. What are we going to do about it? Well, the first thing I would do is give them a feed. It's late February or early March, and a drop or two of sugar syrup will now be welcome and help them out when they might not feel like flying out too far for nectar. We all know that sugar syrup can go mouldy, right? But did you know that a little thymol mixed into the syrup will prevent the mould from growing? Oh, and did I mention that there's some research out there that suggests that thymol may help reduce infections of Nosema? I'll put a link to the research paper in my show notes for you. So let's get this clear. We're not treating the bees with thymol to cure the Nosema infection, but it does seem that thymol may have a positive effect on the health of honeybees when feeding them sugar syrup that contains thymol to prevent mould from growing. There are no authorised treatments for Nosema here in the UK. My personal experience is that colonies fed a little sugar syrup in spring 
that has thymol in it do recover very well. I've not got any scientific evidence to back this up, just what I see in my own bees. I'll leave you to decide if you want to try it or not. The other procedure I use with my colonies is spring cleaning. I replace the floor, brood box and crime board on all colonies in spring. I do this regardless of nosema. The effect of this is it reduces the loading of spores that may be found on the equipment. Where I have an infected colony, I will also perform a comb change of some type. The worst colonies get a full comb change using the Bailey comb change method. Check out my video on that topic. Or if it's a low infection, I may just replace three to four frames routinely over the spring months. Again, the effect of this is a reduction in the number of nosema spores in the hive and gives the bees a chance to recover more quickly. You can find details about comb change on my YouTube channel. Remember, my entire focus is bee health. Healthy bees means productive bees, and productive bees mean happy bees and happy beekeepers. It's only February, but I'm already thinking about how I'm going to get my colonies built up strongly and in good health for October, in a nice clean hive on plenty of freshly drawn comb with very low numbers of infectious spores for the bees to worry about, if indeed bees worry, or is it just us beekeepers? So my answer to the Nosema challenge is do something. Test your bees, feed your bees, and swap out equipment to lighten the loading of spores, and you will probably find that Nosema is really not a problem at all. Do get in touch, it would be great to hear from you. Use all the usual social media channels, and we'll catch up next time. I'm Stuart Spinks, and that was beekeeping, short and sweet. Sweet.